coming to you not only from opposite ends of the globe, but also opposite ends of the generational gap. It's time once again for No Agenda, coming to you from the affluent suburb of Surrey known as Guildford in the United Kingdom. I'm Adam Curry. It's affluent, huh? Oh, hell yeah. I'm John C. Dvorak coming you to you from the less than affluent uh, <laughs> sections of Northern California. We're well known Where as the real affluent. people yeah. live, the real people. <laughs> no, man, this is the salt of the earth is in Guilford, my friend. Yeah. So. There might be some salt there, but that has nothing to do with the population. <laughs> hey, we didn't do our weather check. I've got a beautiful day. How are you doing in, uh, in San Francisco? It's kind of foggy. Um, which means it could be really hot this afternoon. It's been very hot in the last few days. It was 100 the other day. Oh, crap. We've had some extremely hot weather, mm. which always results in this fog. Now, whether or not it's going to burn off is another issue. No, it's been nothing like that over here, obviously. But uh, it is. it has been nice. We have a nice day today, a little bit of a breeze, a little bit of sun, a couple of clouds. Nice. I don't know how you can see anything. You were partying all last night. Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, so actually, um, normally we record the show around, uh, what is it, probably around 5.30 p.m. my time. It's so about 9.30 a.m. your time on mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday. And I'd already sent John a note and said, look, I, you know, we've been invited to this party, and uh, it's in Brighton, which is about an hour from here, uh, down south, right on the coast, which is famous for a number of reasons. I think uh, one of them is... Uh, there's some political conventions that take place there, but Brighton does have some, uh, I think, some uh, pretty big uh, historic significance. Actually, and there's a beach there. It's Brighton Beach. Correct. And you know what? The architecture and the beach, and interestingly enough, um, it being the gay capital of the United Kingdom, it has a very interesting San Francisco vibe. Huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, it really does. When you, when you, when you look at... I didn't know it was the gay capital. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the capital, but um, yeah, I, th- I think it has that uh, that dubious honor, uh, and it does have a beach. Anyway, so this was a party that was uh, being thrown by David Hill, who's um, the president and founder of uh, E3 Entertainment. Uh, basically, what they do is they provide all the entertainment for the big uh, Thomas Cook vacation packages, which is kind of interesting because you know that's everything from uh, trips to Disneyland to uh, the big cruise ships. Huh. Yeah, and so uh, Patricia and I were invited by uh, Super Agent Keith, who, uh, and it was also, it was a charity dinner, so, you know, so for, uh, for sub- two uh, children's charities. So, you know, it's one of those things, kind of like a rubber chicken type thing, but let's go see, let's go hang out, let's go to Brighton. Man, was, it, was, it a, was it a gay event? Um, y- yes and no. I mean, a lot of, like, cruise... Uh, Cruise theater, you know, cruise line type theater stuff with uh, with dancers and can can, and so yeah, that was uh, obviously some major camp aspects. Uh, and yeah, it, I guess it was kind of a gay event in a way, uh, which which usually um, can be pretty funny. Uh, the, I think the funniest thing about this was just our table. You know, uh, you've you have not met uh, Keith Bishop, who uh, we call Super Agent Keith, but he's tied into. Uh, uh, like yeah, you know, twenty years at the BBC, and uh, he's been independent for a number of years, and so he knows everybody uh, and knows everything about everybody. And he has friends like um, Mickey the News Agent, uh, <laughs> Mickey Kebab Knife, uh, all of these shady kind of figures uh, who uh, who travel in his circles, and you know some uh, celebrities. Anyway, it, it was a it was a very 
Sorry? Sounds like a laundry list of personalities from the movie Goodfellas. Well, there was one thing, you know, so it was, exactly, it does kind of sound, and it was a bit like that. And what was interesting is, so, you know, one of these round tables where you sit with 10 people, and I'm sure Keith bought the table for, you know, like a a thousand pounds or whatever it is. Um, And, you know, so you're kind of interacting with people, and then as the evening goes on, now remember, this is a, a first for us kind of in the British culture, as the evening goes on and the wine flows more freely, boy, you know, things get kind of loose and, and pretty funny. And there was this one guy, uh, Kevin the Comedian. Uh, I, don't even, I don't know his last name. I do, I do recognize him from several of those, like, stand-up shows that they have over here in the, in the U.K., very similar to the States on television. And at one, at one point, he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, on the count of three, we're all going to start laughing and, uh, and like someone just said something really hilarious. And everyone will think we have the funniest table and the best place to be. And they all did it. And it was, it was absolutely something that I think I will repeat if I'm, no matter where I am at one of these chicken, uh, rubber chicken dinners. It's pretty funny because everyone looks over like, crap, man, I'm at the wrong table. I should have been sitting with, with those guys. It's like Woody Allen on the wrong train in Stardust Memories. If only I had seen it, I could comment. Oh, yeah, great movie. You should. You actually, that's a movie you should see. It's a lot of people believed it was the uh, swan song to the funny period of Woody Allen because it was about all the other movies he did previous. It was actually a lot of people, including myself, think it's one of his best movies. Uh, you got a copy? I'm sure you can rip one for me. Or do I have to actually go through the process of finding it? We'll talk later. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, it, it was really nice. The most amazing thing is Brighton, just in general. I was completely blown away. It's it's a rather large city. Um, has uh, fantastic. You know, it's only twenty five minutes from Gatwick, which is interesting because where we are is also twenty five minutes away from Gatwick. But it's on the sea. It has uh, you know a lot of uh, entertainment, nightlife, etc. Has a fantastic pier. It has an old one that is still kind of decrepit there in the sea, which is. I think because it's protected, then they don't get rid of it. Uh, but the new one is just amazing, which is very much like a Coney Island type of pier. Uh, I, I believe that I believe that Gordon Ramsay did one of his uh, kitchen oh, nightmare sure shows. He did. From I'm that. sure he must have. There must be a ton of places for him to work on in his management skills there. But it, it was really nice, you know. And and honestly, after just driving down there and being around there, you know, driving through it a bit, Patricia and I were like, you know, we should consider moving here. I mean, it's like. It's, <laughs> There's no difference from from London, except, uh, you know, here's actually, it appears to be still very British. The architecture is exactly the the kind that we like, which, as I said, is kind of like that San Franciscan, but also London terrace houses. Uh, You've got the sea, you've got a beach, you've got uh, Shoreham Airport 10 minutes away, which is good for Daddy-O. Gatwick 25 minutes away. It's like, oh, you know, that might be an option. Why don't you do it? Well, we're looking. In fact, it was funny because I said to Patricia, you know, as I was making my tea before the show, I said, okay, hon, I'm going to go do the show. Is uh, Christina home? No, she's out at Liz's house. Okay, could you please, like, not, not surf, and I'll just close your email. And she's like, oh, great. I, was, I just had my cup of tea, and I was ready to sit down and look at real estate in Brighton. Okay, well, I guess I won't then. You know, one of those jobs. <laughs> I guess I won't. Yeah, <laughs> well, we can't because we we but we can't both use the internet at the same time for bandwidth intensive applications. If one of them is Skype, uh, yeah, no, you should get a second line. Oh, I've uh, I've put it. I put an order in months ago with uh, Virgin, which is the uh, the Virgin Media. They bought NTL, the cable company, and uh, you know, formerly known as NT Hell. 
and nothing has changed in that regard. You can't get them out. You can't get them out here. Maybe in December. It's like, okay, you know, well, I'll probably well, move con- to Brighton by then. How's the connectivity in Brighton? Have you checked into it? Because I know that you're one of the reasons you wanted to move in further was to get better connectivity. I have a feeling it's going to be a hell of a lot better. I mean, compared to Guilford, I mean, Brighton is big smoke. I mean, it's it's major. Uh, it's a real, it's a it's a metropolis. It's, it, that's what kind of blew get, me away. I'm sorry, you think you can get more house for your money? No, I think it's going to be about just, you know, about equally as expensive. In fact, the vibe is uh, from the people that I spoke there. It's like everyone from London is now moving here, keeping a pied-a-terre in the city, of course, for when you have your West End show. Um, but uh, no, I think it's, well, in general, real estate here, they're, they're, you know, they're predicting the papers now that there's going to be a 9% decline in prices overall, 40% decline in actual property sold. Hmm. So well, that's good. Yeah, the well, buyer's market. That's when you buy. Not. I think. I think I'm going to wait just a little bit longer. I don't think it's quite there yet. Because meanwhile, of course, the interest rates for mortgages are going up. How crazy right. is that? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's one of those deals. <laughs> what do we call it? Stagflation. I see it everywhere now. Since you taught me the word. Stagflation. A classic. Almost. So in, in go, fact, so it, how is the, let's go back to the party. So you yeah. said this party they had fireworks yeah, and everybody it, was plastered. Yeah, it was. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, very British. And uh, Patricia and I don't really drink. You know, a glass of wine. But then you know, near the end there, so everyone went outside on the balcony and there was fireworks and it was a nice little display right off the off the beach. And then everyone went back in and just started to drink and dance. And uh, I'm like, hey, oh, dude, it's like midnight, and uh, you know, I'm tired. I'm, I got I got an hour <laughs> to drive back, and I'm not going to sit around here and drink anymore. And I mean, you just see people kind of melt away. But I'll tell you, the British, when they drink, they're funny. I mean, no, by the way, they're funny when when they don't drink, but they're uh, they're not annoying drunk. <laughs> they're just nicely drunk. And and well, you, that that's that seems to contrast with the Irish. I have no no experience with the Irish. But they've certainly well, got their go to, wits if about. If you go to more pubs in in London and you run into these Irish later in the night, you know they they tend to want be argumentative. Uh, well, just look at the uh, Lisbon Treaty. I think that that's probably a, a genetic thing and has nothing to do with drinking. They are definitely argumentative. So while we're on the topic of the Brits, uh, did you see the? By the way, if you get a chance, uh, my blog posts that are up now, which of course by the time people hear this, they'll miss it. But check the weekend stuff. Um, so Martha Stewart was banned from going to. Yeah, uh, I read that from in- to England because she, you know, was busted in the U.S. for that ridiculous uh, insider trading scandal. Yeah, I guess she's a threat to to society over there. You, they can't handle her. She's going to come in there and and corrupt us, the, the the public. Um. Well, probably. But the uh, I guess the law here is um, they don't hand out visas to convicted criminals. So they have the, the places crawling with terrorists. <laughs> That's not really true, John. Just don't tell anyone over here. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not convicted terrorists. Okay. They're the terrorists of the non-convicted kind. Now, so that's the deal. Is uh, if you're a convicted criminal, then you're just then you're denied entry into the UK. And you know, so obviously, no one wants to touch that one because if they're going to let Martha Stewart in, then you know, okay, so that's a uh, an exception to the rule. What other exceptions are there? They'll never let her in. No one wants to deal with that shit right now. And by the way, screw her. I don't want her over here either. 
Well, she has business interests, I believe, she needs to take care of. No, I think she wants to start business interests. That's the report I read. I think she should just get a second citizenship. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I'm sure there's some rules about uh, convicted criminals for dual citizenship as well. <laughs> <laughs> you can always buy one in Canada. It's so funny, though, to see Charles Koppelman, who... Um, wasn't he a bigwig at Viacom, Charles Koppelman? I don't know, the name rings a bell. I don't yeah. remember. So he's now the president of uh, Martha Media or whatever it's called. Uh, but they're also living together if they're not married. I, I don't know. So it's kind of funny to see that, uh, see different statements show up. And, you know, Charles Koppelman, you know, never mentioned as Martha's partner hmm. making statements. But, you know, it, I understand. Look, of course, you know, the woman's not a threat to society. Uh, no more than what's going on in the city of London right now with these traders who are jacking up the price of oil. You know, there are some guys that are onto that, John. Yeah. Michael uh, Greenberger's one of them. So what I've read over here, and for people who have not heard previous episodes of, of No Agenda, um, so the general, well, the general thinking of one of the reasons why uh, the cost of oil has skyrocketed so quickly is that there's uh, still a loophole very similar to the one that uh, the Enron used in the energy trading crisis, where it, which ultimately resulted in rolling blackouts in California. But that has not been closed for commodity trading in uh, oil futures. And interestingly, it turns out um, that there's uh, a huge amount of that going on in uh, London City, which is where uh, you know where the uh, it's the financial center of the UK uh, of Europe, I would say, arguably. And uh, they've even introduced something called the Balls Clause. Have you heard of this? No, tell me. It's, uh, it's kind of like a, a blocking action so that the U... Because the U.S. is now trying to reach out and say to, uh, to the city of London, hey, you know, you guys got to have limits on, uh, on the amount. Uh, I think it's limits on the amount of commodities you're trading. And they also have to do more, uh, provide more disclosure as to what their positions are. And they have all kinds of, because the city of London is, uh, has its own law. Did you know that? It's its own entity. It's not actually, it's not even, it may not even be a part of England as far as I know. It's, it has its, <laughs> I'm, I kid yeah, you I not. Know some of that. I don't know about that part, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it has its own mayor. It has its, you know, it's a square mile. It's, it's its own entity. It has its own tax laws. That I think is true. Right. Um, but you should mention to people that when, you know, that London, the, 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 the greater London, is one thing, but the city of London is this little bitty piece in the middle. Yeah, and it's just, it's a square mile. And it's a square mile that um, where all the banks are, all the financial trading takes place. They have their own mayor, their own laws, and God knows what else. And so they, they have their own, and they have their own police uniforms. Yeah, yep, their own police uniforms. They have their own, I think they have their own, all of their services, fire, everything is all, uh, is all separate. Um, Anyway, so they don't want uh, the U.S. Uh, meddling with what they're doing, and so they're trying to block that. And in fact, it was, um, I should look this up. The European Union is also onto this. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, saw... almost everybody's onto it except the American press. <clears throat> the yeah. American press uh, has still been running stories about. Well, it's because there's a shortage, and we're running out of oil, and we're wasting it, and we need to be more green. Yeah, and that green thing, it's starting to bother me more and more now that I'm looking at, you know, what taxes are being written and what examples are being given. I mean, is it all, does it all, John, just boil down to this one report by the IPCC, whatever those guys are called, the International Poobah Grand Commission of whatever, who came out with a report that said, 
you know, basically we're, we're burning up the earth. Is it, is it all based on that one report? Is that how all these CO2 taxes all of a sudden came into play while we were asleep, apparently? No, I think it's all based on Al Gore's. Well, it's the, same, it's the same part of the same thing. Al Gore was the public version of the IPCC report. Yeah, yeah. No, Gore's been instrumental in creating this panic. It was, like, what's changed? You know, there was a funny report in the in the Financial Times. I think it was yesterday, and it was a review of one of Al Gore's speeches because I guess he still goes around the world and and does these speeches with his famous PowerPoint and uh, his smile. right. He flies around in his G five, you know, or. <laughs> yeah, well, it gets better because gets they had in the Hummer. So they have, <laughs> the Hummer is rolled out of the C one thirty. So, but wait a minute, it gets better because you know he has a disclaimer, which I guess is pretty normal that you hand, or not a disclaimer. Maybe it's a just a document that's handed out to. Uh, I think it's like a non disclosure, isn't it? Well, actually, it's it's part. Not, know, it's not really non disclosure. Me- I know this for a fact. He, he won't, won't let, let the, media, the media right listen to this stuff. But what it but what it says, it's part disclosure where he says that you know he discloses that he represents several investments in firms in green technology etc and uh, you know for basically one of those forward looking statements may not represent etc so it kind of sounds like what he's doing he's going around he's saying we're all going to die but invest in these companies who are trying to keep you alive yeah, I think there's a requirement uh, for him to do that. I think there's an SEC requirement because he has interests in all these things he's promoting. Yeah, and there's some, you know, it's like that. It's like those uh, crazy statements you see in the bottom of certain kinds of press releases. Yeah, uh, he's just covering his ass basically because he's doing that, I guess. Yeah, well, he's a shill for his. You know, he's got he's he's making money. I mean, he's uh, he went you know left. Uh, Public life, you know, basically worth a couple million dollars. Now he's worth a hundred and thirty million or something like that. Really? Just, yeah, he's really worth a lot. But it's not. It just, but it's got to be from the speaking engagements. It's it's and from the investments. It's not from the movie. The movie doesn't make anything. No, no, no. The, the movie was just a promotional tool for his other stuff. Right. I mean, basically, the movie was a uh, is a, uh, a, a, a would would you call an advertorial for all practical <laughs> purposes? Well, it's an outrage. It's an outrage. I'm outraged. Well, but I'm pissed off. You know, I'm just. I'm like. I remember when this IPCC report came out. I, you know, I was there when Al Gore presented the movie for the first time at the uh, Kleiner Perkins CEO retreat uh, in what is it? I'm thinking Pebble Beach, whatever it is. Um, not Pebble Beach. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I was there, you know, and I'm looking at this like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then I start reading a bit of the controversy about uh, the IPCC report. And all of a sudden, you, know, you turn around and it's like there's tax increases in, in petrol and everything you can imagine all for this greenhouse. I'm like, well, well, that's kind of, that happened pretty quick. <laughs> Can we go from zero to 100? <laughs> I, I was too busy, like, building a company. How I dumb was I? the public just running around like chickens with their heads cut off, waving their arms about this stuff. But without even really, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's lots of ulterior research, but no one ever does anything with it, you know? And, and, and by the way, how, how come people can predict how we're going to burn up within the next hundred years? I'm obviously just... Editorializing. I know, where you, I know where you're going with this line. I, I was I was hoping to use this line myself. Well, Go here ahead. it comes. They can't even predict the fucking weather for tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. That's I what know. I want to know. <laughs> they can't predict the weather for tomorrow. Uh, neither can I. By the way, I can do six hours. I can see some 
know, some systems where you can reasonably predict when and where it's going to hit, but, you know, 10 years, 20 years out? I mean, no way. And, and I'm just talking wind. I'm not even talking temperature. Well, the other problem that we've noticed is that anyone who comes up with any counter argument whatsoever, no is matter demonized. how, yeah, they're demonized. They're uh, shouted down. It's amazing. I, in fact, I get the biggest kick out of it. I think it's hilarious because the public, I, you know, we post a lot of stuff on the blog about this. We have both sides of it because we have a, you know, we have an interesting, round, well-rounded group of bloggers. But the uh, the funny thing is, is that it always gets a bunch of comments because people are got it coming in out of the woodwork about this thinking it's a scam and then the other one saying well you, and then there, you then you have the true believers and you have these two guys shouting at each other but to tell you the truth i think the public is pretty much split down the middle on this and I, they probably more on the side of skeptic of uh, being skeptics than than being true believers i think that's actually a minority i think it, it certainly warrants a little bit more uh, investigation or uh, just a little bit more because there is you know there are some obvious questions and before we just continue with all of this taxation and there's so much tax that at every everything you do, you know, is there's a CO2 tax on it. I'm like, that can't be right. <laughs> CO2 tax. I love it. Isn't, isn't that true? That's what it always boils down to. CO2 tax. Oh, OK. Yeah, well, CO2 don't forget tax. your carbon footprint. Yes. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Yeah, I have a, when I have did a that show up in the, in the nomenclature? Well, I, I, yes, here's, how, no, here's how that happened. I know what happened there. What happened was they, first the carbon credits came into play, right? So you could yeah. buy carb, offset your carbon usage. So to offset your carbon usage, of course, you had to have a calculator. And there's a million of these on the Internet, that, and they all give you different answers, by the way, that calculates your carbon usage, i.e. your carbon footprint. I think that's the genealogy there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beauty. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't I want mean, to see skeptic. I mean, I consider myself fairly adept at, at marketing strategies, but this one here is way over. I mean, this one's beyond. This is almost like uh, I actually ran into the woman who did this, by the way. I, I, I'm a student of marketing, and one of the th things I've always admired, although it's now kind of missing, is you remember during the VCR days, there used to be this thing called VCR Plus. Oh, yeah, the, in the newspaper. You'd have a little scanner or a code. It was a little code yeah, yeah, yeah. because they figured that people were too stupid to, to program their VCRs, yeah. which was, you know, not a bad thought. And they decided to come up with this these coded numbers that you could just take see it in the newspaper, and then you just punch it into your VCR, and then it would record that show because people were too dumb to put in the time, <laughs> date, and channel. Yeah. So, so this thing became like a licensed uh, uh, system on all these VCRs. Every VCR, you know, started to get them, and it was called VCR Plus. And then the newspapers all ran the numbers, and it was amazing to me. So I, I finally tracked down the woman. There was a woman who who dreamed this whole concept up, who's a marketing person. Mm. And I had a long, long chat with her because I admired, you know, basically just a compliment for pulling off a stunt like that. Because to me, it was like, wow, yeah. how do you make that work? Because that's a lot of work. Yeah, and it right? rolled out. It rolled out internationally, Ben. That was all over the world. They had that thing going. Yeah. Of course, it you know once somebody, you know, I mean, I don't know what it just died. I think I don't know what the licensing fees were. I actually would like to get a hold of her again to find out what she thinks happened that that, that would kill it completely. It's gone. I think what happened is is there were um, there were too many channels, uh, too many cable and satellite channels coming on board, and you could, there, it was no effective way to get the information. You know, that could be. 
Yeah, but the whole thing was a, was a formula. You know, it was the channel, this and that, and the other thing. But so anyway, anyway, I think it was also because I think the Dish Network and the re, and the and DirecTV, they all have different channel numbers, so yeah. the numbers probably wouldn't work. So, so, the, so how does that relate to... Uh Well, that's uh, what I think. That's where I think the same kind of thing with carbon credits, carbon footprints. This is all a marketing scheme because, you know, this this gore is part of a a carbon trading uh, company that, you know, trades your carbon credits for some how. I don't know how even how it works. But what it relates to is the fact that you can manage a worldwide marketing effort with something that's just made out of thin air. Well, I I don't think it's management anymore. I, I think, you know, these guys probably went, holy crap. Look what just happened. Of course, you know, they may not have. You know, first of all, I got to believe Al Gore actually believes what he's selling. And he looks like it. He looks like he believes what he's selling it. So that's fine. And it may well, be no, true. That's good. He should believe. Yeah. I mean, you, you, yeah. You have to be a true you believer. You got to be a believer. Yourself, yeah. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying I, you know, that I'm not concerned. <laughs> I'm saying that I, I'm not too sure. And I don't see conclusive evidence. And I see a lot of uh, other noise that I'd like to investigate. Okay. So he believes in it. But this took off. It's almost like. A self-fulfilling fulfilling prophecy, in a way. Well, you know, I, you know, I don't think so. I, you know, they, let's back up a minute. When he was running for president in 2000, and even when he was vice president under Clinton, he, I think he wrote some book when he was a, the vice president, just before he, you know, this was like, this would be, a, what, almost... Uh, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. he had started on this on this road uh, with uh, this, I got it. Somebody can find it. We can look it up on the net. But this early book that he wrote was pretty much all whack job stuff. I remember cr- cr- critiques of it back then about this guy's crazy. Did you write any review of any of his books? Maybe in one of your columns? No, you know, I just rem- it was too. It was this stuff. It was this really old early book that was that he did when he was a fight or when he was running for vice president initially, which would be when ninety. What was that? Ninety four. Yeah, something I have like to that. Think about yeah. it. But anyway, whatever the case is. Earth and uh, balance? It e- goes back. Ecology and, and the human spirit? Maybe. Mm. But whatever the case was, it's not like it happened overnight. And uh, so I'm, I'm thinking it's 1992, more of a long... that book, Earth and Balance. 1992? Yeah. Well, there you have it. I mean, that's a ways back. So that might so, be the one. Um, yeah, 15, 16 years ago. So it's not like this happened overnight. This is a long-term strategy. It was very uh, carefully orchestrated, which is the way all good marketing schemes work. They don't, you know, they always look like they, I mean, it's like the, the overnight success. You know, no you way. see some actor, no actress. Yeah, yeah. You find out they've been doing this for 25 years. Yeah. No, that's, you're absolutely right. But anyway, I I think what they tried for a while is they tried to set up some, um, they tried to make the carbon unit into like a tradable commodity. It felt like you know, so you you could trade your car- first. Uh, the government started that you could trade your carbon credits. Well, we'll produce uh, you know less carbon uh, in this year, and China will sell that to you for X, Y, and Z. And I think they tried to to, to bring that into trading systems, and and, that, and maybe that's I even done I- today. I don't know. I think there is a trading system out there, but the, the fact of the matter is, if you think about it from some logical perspective, there's really nothing to trade. I mean, it's just all air. air. It's literally air. <laughs> there is, there is, well, literally. It's like it's like this. If you if somebody looked at this from a distance, they would say, "How silly!" You're trading is air. This? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like crazy. Well, no crazier than the taxes that are being put on on us based on it. Well. The whole thing is nuts. 
Yeah. Not, you know, but like I've said, you know, people, if they turn out, you know, I still am dubious about the green thing. When I sit over here on top of a hill overlooking San Francisco and I see every night that city's lit up like a Roman candle thinking, you know, how serious are we about this? If we're in that much trouble, turn off the lights in San Francisco, <laughs> darken the place. Well. Just turn them off. Turn off the entire city of San Francisco and Los Angeles and Kansas City and New York. And I guarantee that we'll be saving a lot of carbon. Yeah, there's a lot I mean, of ways. Are, are we serious about this or are we just joking? Is this just a, 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 just a joke? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'll tell you one thing. We invaded Iraq. Uh, I'm sure you saw, I'm sure you blogged or when you guys blogged it that, uh, now all the, the big oil companies are now, uh, finally after 30 years, they're allowed to do business with Iraq and they're allowed to set up oil fields. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> oh boy. Isn't that great? Wow. Isn't that fantastic? We installed a democratic government and, and now we can do contracts finally. So they're all doing these deals. They're chopping it up exactly the way the plans always show that have been available on the internet for years. And uh, and the prices are still high. Go figure. All well, the prices are high because of these traders in London and Dubai. Yes, which, you know. Yes, exactly. And they're not. And you know what? Even the European Commission, who I guess are kind of boss when it comes to this, said, uh, "Yeah, we should go look at that because uh, that's not right." And we should look. We should uh, have a report done by uh, Nove- uh, Octo- uh, October two thousand eight. A report. Yeah, so, which will but, then be discussed. Yeah, it's like going to discuss the report in in November. It's like we need action now, and then the Irish will vote against it. You know, since you brought it up, of course that's the that's the the hottest topic in Europe is the uh, the Lisbon Treaty, and I've I've been thinking about this about um, the whole idea of a referendum, which is interesting, and I've and I've been looking looking into it and. In America, certainly some states, California most notably, have a lot of different ways that you can call a, a, a public referendum, uh, which is known as, I guess, uh, direct democracy. But that's kind of interesting, you know, when, in these days of uh, text voting for your favorite American Idol or X Factor or kicking someone out of the Big Brother house. Um, that might, It's an interesting solution to, yeah, to changing uh, things. Uh, yeah, no, in California, you can put a petition together and then get just about anything you want put on the ballot. It's like a proposition. Is that what it's called then? Yeah, it'd be a pro- well, that's the way it ends up. Yeah. But the exact, you know, I think I have to think about it. I think it is a referendum or something like that. I don't think we take, I don't think we take advantage of, uh, of probably the, the multitude of possibilities that a referendum offers. Oh, they believe me in California, they take advantage of all of it. I mean, the the number of p- petitioners you got to get is pretty high, which is the problem. But they're trying everything. I mean, they've had anti-gay marriage. They had the, you know, the Proposition 104 some years ago when they right. froze all property taxes. And that's still in play. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. They thought most of the stuff gets voted down. That's uh, but why? Why, do you think, ten, why do you think most of it gets voted tw- down? Well, because some it's, it tends to be confused. Most of the stuff gets voted down because it's con- it's always written in a confusing language. So you, all, Californians are you know we see these things so much these 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 propositions that we're always skeptical about being tricked. Uh, which is exactly the problem. What's uh, this is interesting. That's exactly what f- like forty percent of the Irish said said I voted no because I felt like I was getting tricked because it, it was too complicated. How interesting is that? Right. 
Yeah, well, it, that's one of the problems that you have with these things. They have to be simplified, and they have to make sense, and then they have to have a bunch of people on board. And then you have to worry about people who, you know, are, that are against them because they're vested interest, and so they'll run TV ads that will try to make you think you're being tricked or they right, or they'll right. tell you to do one thing and hope that you do another and it gets pretty uh it gets pretty intense so 90 percent of the time that people just vote no and then they you know let people go back to the drawing board some of these things keep coming back over and over and over again interesting well i found out that in the lisbon treaty there's actually something called the european citizens initiative and that was, it's one of the differences between the original Constitution of Europe, which got voted down by the French and the Dutch, and has turned into the Lisbon Treaty, is there's a, a method, and of course, the language is so freaking ambiguous that I think that's where they fucked it up. Um, if you have a million signatures, and of course doesn't specify if that's written signatures or electronic signatures, etc. If you have a million wow. of them from enough, <laughs> enough significant member states, which of course is not defined, um, then you can put legislation before the European uh, Commission, who then can ultimately, uh, no, no, they, you can invite, that's the language, you can invite the European Commission to put uh, a legislative move towards European Parliament where a vote would be, um, would be taken, which I think is a pretty good move, except for the whole invited bit. It's like, it shouldn't be an invite, it should be, you know, like a, a mandatory but it's it's an interesting move, just in in. Uh... Yeah, it sounds. You're right. It sounds pretty wimpy. For one thing, a million signatures has got to be a problem. No, that, a I lot. think that's easy. I think that's really easy. Well, yeah, if it was electronic, it would be. But what if you have to actually people sign things and then check? One of the things they do here is that they actually go over the. You know, it has to be a signed thing, and then you have to. Then they check and but look, but John, but John, here, here's where I got him. Here's where I got him. The Eurovision Song Contest, which is a European Union initiative has been since the inception of the European Union in, I think, 1950, is done by SMS text voting. So if it's legal enough for the Eurovision Song Contest, then surely it's legal enough for the uh, Lisbon Treaty. I don't know about. I mean, what's I mean, what's legal about the song contest is just a you know, it's just a a, a TV entertainment show. Yeah, it's not but, like it's anyone's legally binding, you know, or anything that would be it's you a can huge, trust. It's a huge economic uh, impulse if if you get to if you win the contest and it's like the Olympics and the contest is in your country next year. I mean, it's all bullshit. I, I'm not I'm not defending the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm just saying that I think there's an okay, argument well, so to be say, made. Let's that say that they allow you know, text they, voting. The, the the EU would fall apart if they allowed text messaging petitions. Because people would be petitioning them for everything. Because you could get, I mean, yeah, you could probably get, if you get on television for 10 minutes, you could probably, you know, initiate something. Yes, kind of I'm liking humorous. that, John. <laughs> that's, that's my point. I'm liking that. That sounds like a good idea. Of course, they have nothing but 100 petitions a month. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's probably, probably pretty funny. It would be great, but that's not, yeah. Well. But remember, you have to do it uh, from significant number of member states. So that may mean that what you have to get... What does that mean? You know, does it mean 10? Does it mean all of them? What if it means only one person from each one? I mean, do you, can you have like a million or 999,000 from, you know, one country and then it, like 10 from here and 10 from there and 10 from here and 10 from there? That would be all of you well, know, there's mean, a one proposal that's out there for what they call the fundamentals is it would have to be from a minimum of four member states, which probably means four different languages, four different campaigns. Not trivial, you know. You, you do have to put some effort behind it to get it done. Um, but I think it should be it should be possible, you know. 
That would yeah, be kind no, of interesting. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of people doing it already. You know, they're they're treating it as law already, and they're p- putting together all kinds of campaigns for, uh, you know, trying to get their million signatures. I think you're overlooking something. <laughs> uh, okay. You're overlooking the fact that the EU is created to to uh, to kind of repurpose Europe as a fascist state, not so they could be pushed around by the public. You know, I I posed that exact language to a minister of European Parliament earlier this week, and I said a colleague of mine in the United States said it sounded like a fascist state takeover, and his his literal answer was, uh, I wouldn't want to go that far. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. I'm like, okay, but it's uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at both sides of this, and it's it's to me, it's just absolutely fascinating. And, I, and I'm discovering that I'm a, I'm a closet politics junkie. It's uh, particularly these days where you can download anything, read any any uh, parliament member or commissions member speeches, voting records. You know, it's it's fascinating to to look at this stuff. Yeah, well, when you're uh, in uh, the gulag, uh, hopefully you'll have a connection. <laughs> we can still do the show. Let me just mention one more thing, and I'll get off of the topic. It's, this is kind of funny. So after Ireland voted no in the referendum, obviously, politically, just to keep the vibe alive, Gordon Brown, the prime minister of, of, of the U.K., had to get this thing ratified uh, in the House of Parliament, you know, in order to save any kind of face, of course, you know, it being in, in close proximity to Ireland, etc. So they ramrodded this through. The Queen signed her, uh, uh, put her signature on it, which means roy- now has royal assent. Um, and they're acting like it's all been ratified, but it hasn't because there's this guy, This um, he calls himself a Eurosceptic, Stuart Wheeler. you got to look this guy up. He's 72 uh, he, he was at one point very wealthy from business that he had done, but he is suing the government. He's suing Gordon Brown and the government over the fact that they promised to hold a referendum on um, the, the constitutional document of the European Union. And, um, and the court actually uh, wrote a letter to the parliament and said, you know, it, you don't really think, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but, but really strong language like, please don't really think that you're just going to uh, ratify uh, this treaty without the court's decision whether it's legal or not to have done this without a referendum. And that, I think, is highly interesting. And I'm really liking this Stuart Wheeler guy for doing that. He's my hero. And he's, he's like 72. And he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to sue these guys. And, uh, and everyone's, you know, everyone's poo-pooing it. But wow, wouldn't that be a freak out if the court said, you know what? It's illegal. You have to do a referendum in the UK. <laughs> what do you think would happen? Uh, well, I think it would be voted down immediately in current status. You know, this, this, it, look, what it boils down to is exactly what you said. Everyone's skeptic. Everybody loves Europe. Everyone in Europe is, is into the whole thing. We like working with each other. We like playing soccer against each other, football, if you will. Uh, we like going to each other's countries and doing business, and all that stuff is great, and we see the, all the benefits, but we don't trust these fuckers. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bunch of legal speak. No one understands what it's about. Everyone's running around. There's thousands of these guys. They sit in Brussels. They sit in Strasbourg. They, you know, it's like we didn't elect them. You know, it's distrustful. So there's a, you know, somehow someone has to figure out how to turn all of that skepticism into a positive pro-Europe positioning or feeling, I guess. And well, how, uh, about thi- how, how about this is something I'm not quite getting. 
you know, they are, they've already taken down it throughout Europe. You can travel from one country to another pretty effortlessly. There's no well, more of those excuse border me, guards. Excuse me, except for the countries who have a protocol. So uh, the United Kingdom had a specific protocol when they joined, which is another thing that pisses me off. And they said, yeah, we'll participate in Europe, but we don't. none of that let everyone travel around shit. We only let people in that we want to let in. Well, I don't blame them for that. But anyway, so but generally speaking, once you get to the continent... You can freely go from country to country to country without, you know, the until you get out of the EU. Yeah, no passport without, control. You know, yeah, you don't need a passport. You don't need to, you know, they don't, you're not stopped at every border on the on the train with some guy coming in and looking at everything in your papers, please, you know, and then, you know, stamping your passport left and right. And you can use the same money everywhere, another handy And the money's been, been normalized pretty much. Uh, and so, and their trade agreements are, you know, in place. What, what would, what's wrong with just stopping where you are right now and just going with it as opposed to adding, you know, this bureaucratic overhead? I don't, I'm not getting why all this other stuff even has to be passed. It seems oh, like can, they've done most of it. I can give you the answer. Good. Because that question has been posed directly. And here's the answer that Barroso, the president, current president gives. He says it's for immigration policy. So, um, who do we let inside the borders of the EU? Because, of course, now you have a whole bunch of entry points. It's about um, terrorism and safety. There you go. Big hit words. So how do we protect the EU from terrorism? And it's about financial stability, which is, of course, the central banking and where a lot of the distrust is right now. So it's for those. Oh, and, of course, the uh, universal uh, human rights. And that's what it's about. It's about those so main wait, things. So, so let's go over these this, these issues. Let's start with the. So right now, anyone who wants to come into the EU is a free pass. Is that what he's, they're saying that they're worried about? I mean, right now, if I'm a terrorist uh, coming out of uh, Pakistan, let's say mm -hmm. from you know the, from an Al Qaeda camp, I can go move right now into uh, Hamburg just what, effortlessly. No, I think what they're saying is that. There are inconsistencies. Every country has its own policy, its own uh, security and anti-terrorism measures. They want to harmonize all of that so everyone's working off of the same playbook. So, yes, I think that you can easily enter uh, one country or enter. Look, dude, I, I can fly from almost anywhere and land almost anywhere and get in. OK, it's, it's all kind of academic anyway. But you think you, you can fly in from Pakistan? Yeah, I, I, I think. Well, yeah, I think these things are. Look, it's not hard to get into any country if, unless you know, unless you're going through the main airport. Yeah, it's going to be a little more complicated. But that's really what it's about. It's about harmonization. About each country having, you know, it's all about databases too, John. It's all about sharing the information, which is a huge point. No one wants, you know, their government to share, you know, their their the personal data of their citizens with other countries yet, and you know, unless they really understand what's being done with it. So that's what it is. You know, it's it's all about. In a way, uh, locking down the, the global borders of Europe, that is certainly one of it. And I, I can see where if you want to have that kind of um, uniform protection, you've got to have you've got to set it up. And it's got to be legal. So I wonder if Martha Stewart can get into Paris. Well, I'm sure that she well, uh, who's the uh, member of the uh, the photographer was the, the filmmaker who uh, married the 13 year old. What was his name? The American? Uh, uh, Roman Polanski. Polanski, yeah. By the way, I would recommend, before we even talk about Roman Polanski, uh, anybody out there to 
find a copy of the documentary that had just been finished about this case. Yeah, you, uh, I you were talking. Where were you? I heard you talking about that somewhere. Was that on Twit again? Mm, yes. No, I don't. Yes. Think, well, maybe. yes. The technology show. So. Yes. Whatever the case is, <clears throat> I would recommend people watch this before they make any comment because it turns out to be a little more interesting a story than uh, we're led to believe. Yeah. Anyway, but the point. Yeah, but he wasn't. You know, is yeah. so. So the answer well, is yes. I, th cool. I think it's it's easier to get into one country. Depending. Uh, yeah, I think Martha Stewart could probably get into Amsterdam, no problem. She could jump in the back of my plane. I'd land that bitch right here, no problem. Well, you, she couldn't jump in the back of your plane because you're taking off from England. No, I'd be in Amsterdam. Oh yeah, and the, okay. I'd then you could up. go over to, and so you could fly her in if you if absolutely, she to get absolutely, not a problem. So maybe that's what she should have done. She should have gotten her. She should have tried, just gone to, to to France instead of England directly. Got on no, the channel. No, be, no, then, no, because no? It, remember, England has their own protocol. They get to oh, deny okay, so whoever they have want. To go through. Okay, but she could fly in on your plane. Yeah, it would be illegal, but she could get in. That's my point. Oh, okay, it would it would not be a legal process. So you, when you fly into England on that little plane of yours, you don't check into anything. You just fly in. Like, Adam Curry, come no, in. I'm landing, and then you land, and that's no, it. I'm glad you asked. No, you have to as one of the only. In fact, the only country in the union, you have to fill out what's known as a GenDEC, a General Declaration, and you have to send that in 24 hours before the actual. Um, uh, flight takes place, the inbound flight takes place. Now you can land at, at a number of airports where they have passport control. So if it's, you know, 10 minutes from where I usually land is Biggin Hill, you land there, you show your passport, and then you can go wherever you want. You can take off again, fly anywhere you want in the UK. So if you have a field that doesn't have, uh, passport, um, facilities, like Fair Oaks, where, what I, the one that I use, you fill out the general declaration, you send it off, uh, the tower faxes it to the authorities. But dude, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's not like they're there. It, oh, by the way, they are there often to check, but certainly not every single time. I mean, on, on a Friday or Saturday, yeah, they're almost always there because that's when everyone's going off to France and coming back and forth and they're checking all kinds of things. Um, but during the week, no, nah, I've, I've never, uh, never had anyone check on me. Hmm. So you could, so Martha should get a hold of you. <clears throat> no, no, absolutely not. So then there's the other one, John. Terror, so it, it all comes down to, I think really the financial one is the main one. It's all about the European Central Bank. Uh, you know, it's all about the numbers, um, keeping inflation in check, keeping the, you know, um, uh, you know, the GDP numbers in check. Uh, they're all set targets. They've been that way for many, many years. Uh, so every you know, um, so that all the EU countries are trying to keep their um, their economies balanced, and that's what it's about. And and it's not a bad thing, you know. Yeah, no, it's not a bad thing. If except for the fact that you know, I don't think that the Germans should be telling the French how to make cheese. So let's back go back to this Martha Stewart thing. <laughs> that's nothing to do with cheese. It does, and when it boils down, I guarantee cheese is going to be involved. So let's go back to the Martha Stewart thing. <laughs> I don't now, care I don't know about what, Martha Stewart. How did this come up in the news anyway? Why didn't Martha just fly to France without making a big? Did she? You don't need a visa. I mean, I could fly to England. I can get on a plane tomorrow, and boom, I'm in London, and that's the way they stamp the thing when you walk in, and that's well, the end of it. Well, I'm sorry, now, she, so she, but... she she goes to France. 
And she's there floating around for a few days. And then she gets on the channel and she goes to England and she comes in and they see her and they say, oh, yeah, Mariah, boom, and they stand. I mean, I don't. it seems to me that somewhere along the line she announced she was coming and some bureaucrat picked up on it. And then they put, put her on the no entry list. Mm. I mean, she did, didn't happen when she that. was bumping against the border. It wasn't happening when she was trying to get in. It, it, it's, it's happened before she even tried to fly. That's How very interesting. That no, that's very interesting. Well, it sounds like she tried to acquire a visa. But at, why? You don't need a visa. Well, no, hold on a second. There, There is a lot of shit going on with the visas right now because the U.S., there is a visa issue. There is. And the visa issue, I'm not quite sure what it is, but the U.S. now has is demanding that anyone who comes into the U.S. has to have um, um, a um, a passport, you know, a new machine-readable passport. And what they're saying now is, or the, the request is, what I've seen in, at the European Union level, is they want all European Union countries um, to reciprocate. And that's when the visa issue goes away. But there is a visa, visa issue in some cases. But you're that's right. But I would say you're probably right. Why the hell is she raising the visa issue before she even flew? Because typically you wouldn't even think of it. You just get on the plane and you go, right? Yeah. Yeah, something's fishy about the story. Now oh, that I, I, think oh about I know. It. I know how it would happen. So here's, here's what happens. She books a, a plane ticket, right? Uh, the airlines are obliged now, I'm sure you know this, to send all passenger data to the United States prior to the flight. Right. This is the, uh, yeah, in fact, I've written about this on the blog. And they've actually added some new provisors. We're essentially uh, very similar to the way it was in the Soviet Union, where there's, you can't get out of the country without, you know, permission. Yeah. Uh, it's almost, you know, it's an exit kind of uh, situation. You know, we have exit uh, restrictions now. Wow. In fact, there's two articles on the blog that ran this uh, on Saturday or Sunday. Let me read you the this, the headline. Dude, we are so living in a science fiction movie. Well, I mean, it's just the Soviet Union. It was the same way. People, you know, just get used to it. Uh, starting today, you may not travel around <laughs> yes, the country. As yes, an, comrade. You can't, you can't even go around the country as an anonymous American anymore. Uh, <laughs> Americans who prefer to fly without showing ID will be turned away by airport security beginning June 21st. Uh, blah, blah, blah. New policy, blah, blah, blah. And then we get the Martha thing, which is a um, exit control. Yeah. You know what they're, you know they're doing? Uh, I'm sorry. Do you have an article to read? Well, no. I'm just saying Martha Stewart's thing was I, I claim it's a version of exit control, which is what you had in the Soviet Union. That's why people couldn't get out of the country. And also in all the fascist countries had, had exit controls, which I suspect will eventually happen with the EU, where you can't leave the EU. You, know, well, you, can, go to, you can go all through the EU, but you won't be able to leave it without uh, you know, having the right papers. You'll love this one, John. So this is from the um, Surrey Times. Okay. So Surrey is the, um, uh, what do you call it, is the part of England where, uh, where we live. A mobile device that can be used to check the identity of suspects stopped by the police is set to be tested in Surrey. Police officers across the country will be using handheld fingerprinting units as part of a national pilot scheme known as Lantern. So what this thing is, is uh, you can get, you'll get stopped on the street or a traffic stop or whatever. It's an electronic uh, fingerprint reader. 
And, of course, the article misses the whole point. They say, well, you know, so now all of a sudden, you know, your, your fingerprint will be taken and then you'll be scanned. And then if you're wanted for anything, then you know, they nab you. But, of course, the point is, and they even say it here. Hold on, I should read this. Um, the mobile fingerprinting units work by electronically scanning a fin- fingerprint, which is sent using encrypted wireless transmissions to a database. From there, fingerprints can be cross-matched against the 7.5 million prints held on file. So the thing that they neglect to point out here is, of course, that your fingerprint has just been scanned and it's on file. Yeah, right. So get make sure you can get everybody's fingerprints on the in the in the system. But how not, but that's like science fiction, dude. There's like I'm surprised they're not taking the DNA from people as they walk by. You know, they can just stick a thing in your mouth. <laughs> that's happening that all actually, over the place too. Baby's the, DNA is next. being taken. No, baby's DNA is we already talked about this weeks ago. Yeah, that, uh, true. newborn baby's DNA, first thing it's done is it's taken, put in a database. It's been happening for decades. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is just part of the whole. I don't know what the what, what is what the point is. To be honest about it, <laughs> I mean, control issues obviously are part of it. I mean, it's like the exit controls. I mean, you just don't want people roaming around. But um, I don't see what it's how it's beneficial to the economy or anything. It doesn't. There's some other thing going on here. Well, isn't it? Well, okay. So the uh, conspiracy theorist in me says, well, of course, it's to keep you afraid and keep you. Uh um, diligent. Well, maybe it's Obedient. just also to keep you voting for the right party. Um, you know, I've always believed that half of these things, these, these, all the surveillance stuff is essentially to, uh, I mean, what it always boils down to is not for anything other than uh, uh, control. So you have, uh, you know, you can see who your political enemies are. It'd be very easy to do if you can. If you can, now they have this new thing they just passed, which is that they, the U.S. government was requiring all the credit card companies to turn over all the data. In other words, all the purchases you make. Of course, this will drive people back into cash. Which is probably better anyway. Uh, anyway, there's, uh, in fact, this we blogged this one too. I just, now I think about it, I'm getting pretty depressed here. But the, uh, <laughs> you sound like my wife. She's like, would you please stop with it? I don't want to hear about it anymore. Stop, stop, stop. It's like, uh, I don't want to so, be afraid of the future. And you know, the funny thing is, is I remember I was at a, a direct marketing conference once and they, they had at the time of Federal Express, uh, made the comment, he says, you know, we have all this data. We can pretty much put a, a dossier together on anybody and, and tell you who they're sleeping with, you know, if they have an affair going on. And, you know, because the data is just such that you can you can do with data mining technology, you can figure out what people are up to. And, and this is Federal Express who said this? Yeah, the guy Federal Express said this, but we don't do it. <laughs> no, right, no. God, I'd hate to do that. But he said it's. He said it'd be very easy to do if you wanted to. I mean, they do cer- certain kinds of profiling, and I've mentioned this before, I think, on this show, which is they, they profile your expending, and it's always amazing to me, because when I try, like, I, all of a sudden I'll show up in Korea, and, you know, and then the computer sees, well, this is interesting, and it starts to track me. And so when I was in Korea this last time, I did two purchases in a row that one of them was a little sketchy, so they froze it, and then they opened the account up. You know, shortly thereafter. But yeah. they're always worried. Of, you know, they look for certain patterns that they think are, are, are suspicious. And I've challenged people to do this, and they, and and people have written me back saying they they've done it, and it does work. And it's the following process: you take your American Express card, <clears throat> and then you go and buy two tanks of gas in a row mm-hmm. with two separate two separate you know 
purchases. You buy two separate purchases, right in a row, one, then another. And then you go to a, uh, a locker, a foot locker or someplace and buy a pair of Nikes. <laughs> and an you iPod. <laughs> your car, or that would probably do it too. It, it doesn't take much, but then your card is de- is frozen right there. And the, and the guy from Federal Express actually is the one who told this group about this particular process. And he says, it's you know, what it is is that as soon as somebody steals a card, like especially a kid, the first thing they do is they fill up their tank, and then they fill up their, their buddy's friend, their tank. Their friend's tank, yeah, of course. And then they go buy tennis shoes. He says this is a standard pattern. Yeah. So people have actually done this, and uh, oh well, I mean, look, look at your. Um, I, I'm sure you have a Costco card or something like that. You know, they're totally giving you the biggest discounts on buying stuff that you know that you want, and that and, and they're totally locking you in. Those guys have more data on you than Federal Express. Well, at Costco, you have to use a credit card generally. I mean, you do because you could always No, but I'm talking about up. the incentive cards, you know, the membership cards, stuff that you get special discounts if you, if oh, you yeah. present well, your well, card. There, I think, but the, here's the point. If the U.S. government now is requiring all these ca- card companies to give them all their data, well, you've got a powerful very, way of profiling anybody. You can tell what party they're voting for. You can tell what stock they're buying. You can you really see a lot... What they're up to, and then you can use it for for uh, you know crowd control. So surely our credit card companies are denying this request. Oh no, they're in and uh, you know they're all over it. And it's no problem. What, they're gonna they're gonna hand it over, really? <laughs> yeah, well you know yeah the government wants it, you do it. The uh, <laughs> oh I mean this God. is like the latest thing. They just the house the Democrats or or spineless Democrats have passed the bill that says that the Pfizer you know, bill. That, the bill that says that the uh, telephone companies can give up all this data that they were legally required not to give up through various privacy laws that were passed specifically aimed at the telephone companies. And so they've been given a free ride that, no, they won't be per- per- prosecuted from, you know, the but how did that happen? Like- I don't understand how that happened. And I, and I see some severe disappointment amongst Obama supporters because what I understand oh, is he, in effect, endorsed it and said, yeah, oh, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, he signed off on it. It's fine with him. And so, you know. How about Ron so, Paul? Tell me he signed against it. <laughs> oh, of course he did. We don't even have to ask, do we? But is it, how outrageous is that? This was a huge debate. This was, we've got him. You know, we've got him by the balls. And what happened? How did that, how did that flip? Yeah, probably because of people having these dossiers. I mean, this is the reason that the government is tries to get as much information. They probably have, a, you know, the goods on everybody. You know, if once you get this, this all this data, especially credit card data, you can, you know, intimidate anyone. So any is this is this Visa, Mastercard, American Express, Discover? I mean, all these guys are turning over our credit card data to the government. That's a fact. Well, now? I don't. I don't know that they've started yet, but the the, the there was this was has been passed. A law. Uh, let me see. If it's I, a law. Yeah. Well, let me find it. It's on the blog. I don't, I don't know if I blogged it. To be honest, but I might have. That's an outrage. The, the trouble is, the blog is getting to be kind of nutty. But the world is going nutty, John. That's what's happening. Yeah, there's the domestic spying one. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> but you know, and, and then the, the, here's the danger. You know, so I'm one of these schmucks who smokes a couple joints. I go to YouTube and Google and video talk about it, and and I start watching these videos about how you know it's the evil banking families who are taking control of us, and you know we're we're all going to be, you know, essentially we're living, we're already living in the matrix. You know, we're we're enslaved to uh, to our to our homes and cars and jobs and 
Is it really true, or uh, is that just all perception? Well, I mean, I think it's going. I mean, it's it's a uh, trend. I don't think it's true at all. So I'm not. Well, uh, yeah, but I'm not but that's, sitting but, here sweating, you know. No, but oh that's, God, now what next? Yeah, but imagine you were going through. You know, there's half a billion people in Europe. You know, imagine you're going through those feelings, and then all of a sudden, here's all this language that shows up, and all these documents, and like, fuck no, I, you know, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Well, that's why they got to take the public out of the picture. Yeah, but how do you uh, do that? How do you do that? Well, they're doing it. The EU is showing how to do it. They're leading the way. I mean, except for this 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 little thing that happened uh, uh, in Ireland, the EU is showing us how to do it. You know, you just put in a bunch of people not elected, like you said. Here it is. It's a, it, it ran on June nineteenth. Senate housing bill writer requires tracking. Oh yeah, this was slipped in to another bill by into a, a Christopher Dodd bill. Uh, Senate housing bill requires eBay, Amazon, Google, and all credit card companies to report transactions to the government. Oh, my God. This is an unreported. I ran this under unreported, underreported news. Nobody's really talking about this. Hidden deep in Senator Christopher Dodd's 630-page Senate housing legislation is a sweeping provision that affects the privacy and operation of nearly all America's small businesses. The provision, which was added by the bill's managers without debate. Of course. Would require would require the nation's payment systems to track, aggregate, and report information on nearly every every electronic transaction to the federal government. And by the way, they're all electronic transactions now. <laughs> My God, this is fantastic. Yeah. It says, and according to Dick Army, says, quote, this is a provision with astonishing reach, and it was slipped into the bill just this week. Not only does it affect nearly every credit card transaction in America, such as Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express, but the bill specifically targets payment systems like eBay's PayPal, Jeez. Amazon, and Google Checkout Jeez. that are used by many small lines businesses. The Jeez. privacy implications are breathtaking. So wait a minute. Meanwhile, of course, so nobody's writing about this. Now, was this, was, this was a part of what bill specifically? The 630-page Senate housing legislation, Christopher Dodd's big bill. Oh, man. So that's, that's even uh, separate from, from FISA. Yeah. Yeah, oh. this is another thing. But this, again, was not, re- you know, the general media didn't It wasn't even up. debated was, on the floor. No, this is, you can find this at freedomworks.org. I mean, and there's a link to the bill, by the way. Uh, itself uh, at freedomworks.org. And um, I got this, by the way, off of a Twitter. Hmm. One of my my Twitterers sent me this link, and I'm just reading it the same way you did. It was shocked. And in fact, I said it back. I said, is this bullshit? And no, <laughs> That's one of the typical not. John C. Dvorak response through email, but this was on Twitter. Did you say bullshit on Twitter? I said BS. Okay. Good man. But anyway, it's on the June 19th. Here, now I uh, see it. I'm looking, I'm looking at it right now. This is cool. Freedomworks.org. I haven't seen this site before. It's a good site. Wow. So has this been passed? No. Oh, I'm sure it'll be passed. Well, there may be time to stop it. Mm, seems unlikely. If they can't stop that other thing that, that Obama signed off on, how are they going to stop this? Where's the outrage over that? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. And, and this, is, this is the thing that freaks me out is whenever there's language like, well, you know, of course, you know, under certain circumstances for a national security against terrorism, it's like, oh, I, I just don't want to be safe. You know what? I'll just live dangerously. <laughs> 
I'll take my chances. You got to be careful. You know, you're you're already asking for trouble. What do you mean? Well, I mean, for one, a you friend of mine me? who lives in Cornwall can't get into the United States anymore because he was he was a musician who was uh, arrested for smoking pot in the 80s or the 70s, and he can't get into the country now. John, let me tell you something. People like me, the, you know, they snuff him out in a huge public way. They don't pester him with little shit like that, you know, because they know that it'll only fuel more. I'll become a martyr. You know, they don't want that. <laughs> Martyr. <laughs> I finally get my 52 virgins. No, man, they don't, they don't want that. But you know what? I don't, I, I'm, well, you haven't been arrested for anything anyway. No, I haven't. But, but let me say, John, I really just hey, don't when's care. The day, when's the day they're going to stop people from coming into the country who have parking tickets? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Or they make you pay the parking tickets before you can enter. Dude, dude, you know, that happens in Holland already. That's, that's, that happened to me 20 years ago. You show up at the Dutch border. This is pre uh, all this Europe stuff, and uh, they literally made me pay parking fines on the spot before they let me in the country. Wow! Yeah, that's a while ago. Well, but, they can uh, get back to that any minute. That's a good way to collect parking tickets. You know what they've done here <laughs> in the United States, which is really interesting, is they've privatized all these parking. You know, like in San Francisco, yeah. it's not run by the city; it's run by a company, mm-hmm. and so they're not a, they're not accountable to anybody. Dude, this is happening all over all over the world now. Now in uh, in Amsterdam, you can uh, park paying with your GSM phone. So you park in a spot. You, you go to the little meter thingy, it gives you a code, you SMS some code, and then it's paid for. Of course, handily, they know exactly where you were at what moment and how long, you know. And, of course, that data is safe, just like, your, <laughs> just like your credit card data. And, uh, no, this is uh, these modern par- I mean, yeah, I can see the convenience. But that's convenience? Happened. They shouldn't be charging for parking anyway. I think the parking thing is that, you know, parking was never meant to be a, a profit center. It was meant to keep traffic moving. So you'd have, like, in France, you know, they had the blue disc and all these things where you just, yeah. you know, you'd they say you'd be making an agreement. You know, you'd be out of there in an hour or so. And yeah, you would it's like a shared resource. Use. Yeah, but now it's like in San Francisco, especially around the uh, the Mevio offices, <laughs> it's, it's so funny because the meters, which, by the way, they're all empty. I have photos of this. Nobody's parking there. They park a mile away because it's, you can't park there. They're, it's 25 cents for like five f- minutes. Five minutes? <laughs> yeah. The meters right out in front of the office are 25 cents for five minutes. And all around, there's 25 cents for five minutes. By the time you load up to have like 15 or you've already blown the five, first five minutes. And I don't even see it. And, and if people actually use these parking spots they these meter boxes would be so full of quarters so quickly that it, you know they would be clogged and you wouldn't be able to use them at all i mean the whole thing is a joke so do they process the fines is that how it works they take them they collect the fine and money it's as 50 well bucks by the way and they collect that these these uh, commercial companies yeah you're kidding me so it's not like you it's not like a city thing it's an actual commercial company thing yeah, and that's why the prices have been jacked up to the to extreme, and the fines are extremely high because you can't really fight it. You could go through the court system because there's still, a, you know, there there is a way to protest, but nobody can, you know, that's not going to happen. You might as well just forget it. Hey, John, and so it's like a, you're a smart guy who I have in high regard. So obviously, we get the government we deserve. So what do we need to do to change that? Well, the first thing you can do is stop voting in guys like Gavin Newsom, 
who's obviously behind this thing. I mean, these mayors, these 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 do good Democrats and these phony baloney Republicans, both parties are full of crap. They're obviously in bed with each other. They wouldn't have passed that thing where Obama's in on it. And you know, it's just ridiculous. We got to find alternative people who aren't crazy. And the, the problem is the if you look at who runs the political spectrum, like in San Francisco, you have these nut jobs running against two or three people who have some creds and the guys with the creds are the ones who put put these 25 cents for five minute parking meters in i mean you can't win i think it's hopeless actually <laughs> oh no 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 we've got kids man what, what they got to grow up in some kind of society that's uh, there, better. there are little towns around the country that are okay in fact little you know i mean there are places where there's no parking meters you so you're, you're promoting it. separatism well, just get out of these places yeah, I'm you know, going, they, want to, I'm, they want to exploit the public that, that way. Screw them. I don't do business there. I mean, I don't see why anybody does business in San Francisco with these. You mean you, just, you can't even park to visit one of these companies in that area where there's the 25 cents for five minutes. I mean, you, you if you had to do business there, there's no way without spending like twenty dollars for parking or ten, depending if there's a baseball game, it goes to 40. Uh, you can't do business there because you can't park. Yeah, but that's easy to say. And there's no public. The public transportation is a joke, especially in San Francisco. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah, so no wonder like, nobody wants to do business in San Francisco. I, yeah, but, I just but, stay but out. people still do business. You know, that's where where, where money is made. That's it's with every metropolis. You know, if you, if you want to make a living, to, you got to go have there. To fight it. We have to get out of these cities that are, are that are onerous like this and do business elsewhere. You can do plenty of good business outside of San Francisco. Hmm. I don't know. You know, it's hard to get people, uh, it's hard to get staff. You know, the location of the Mevio offices was certainly determined by what type of people, what type of personnel we wanted to attract. You could have moved to Alameda for that matter, because half the people that work at Mevio live in Alameda or in the East Bay. Interesting. Yeah, I guess we could have. And Alameda's amenable. They got a bunch of, that's where, you know, my sequel guys are in Alameda. There's a, a whole bunch of companies in Alameda. And there's no, they don't have these onerous parking meters and all the rest of it. And right, they huh? cra- I'm surprised they don't have, you know, they, they keep wanting to charge. You know, it's five bucks to get across that bridge. It's unbelievable. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a, San Francisco is not a business friendly city. People should reject using it as such. <laughs> I was looking at a little more meta level in San Francisco, obviously, when I'm asking that type of question. You know, there's even restaurants in that area south of Market. In fact, the one place we like to go, which is Fringal. Yeah. The French uh, place? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't, you know, they have, if you go there for lunch, the meter maids are flying around. They're trying to get you. To get you. To get you. To get you. Seriously. Yeah. It's becoming During a game. Lunch. Yeah. They're trying to get you. Damn them. Out to get me. <laughs> so that's it. That's our that's our recourse, huh? We got to vote yeah, better people. Yeah, there is no in. recourse. The recourse is rejection. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we're not doing a very good job with a lot of things happening right now when it comes to rejection. No, I think the public has has been cowed. They they they've just been so beaten that they just don't care. Yeah, but that's sad. I feel really bad about that. Well, I mean, I just think it's a fact. Yeah, that's but, why you know. You know yeah, I think it's been going on for a while. Of course, it's been going on for a while, and television and the whole Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, you know, distraction culture is rampant, and you know, every, everyone loves that because let everyone be occupied with all that stuff. 
you know. And meanwhile, you're paying 25 cents for five minutes of parking. Right. And a meter that, you know, half these... I don't know what the deal is with these meters. It's well, this, this, does come, mean, this does come back to what we talked about at the very end of last week's show, where you said that, uh, no, you didn't even say no offense. You just offended me outright and just said, look, you don't matter. You know, and, <laughs> in all honesty, to. you said you didn't matter either, which was, uh, you know, heartening to some extent. Um, but still, you know, I got a lot of response from people on that. And they said, you know, it does matter because you got you guys, you and I, John, you know, we open people's eyes to other stuff and, uh, and they do become aware, but it just seems like there's no action. You know, it's a lot of posting. We're posting a lot, you know, but how about some real, and, and by the way, I'm the biggest perpetrator of that because I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm just sitting here complaining and observing. Yeah, we, no, we, that's the two of us. I mean, I think we, we serve a useful purpose for the system because the system needs to blow off steam. So it keeps people that they think at least something, at least people are complaining, at least people are noticing and which is part of a really idealistic version of, of, a, of a, a kind of a fascist uh, system as opposed to the old Soviet style, where if you if you were a protester, if you're somebody says something bad against Putin, you, for example, yeah. you know, you end up in jail. That's and interesting. It turns out this is better. This works <laughs> this better. Is better. People get to blow off steam. They don't change jack shit, but at least they feel better about it because they complain for a little while. Yeah, but the joke of it, of course, we still have more prisoners than they have in Russia. But in Russia, they know better <laughs> than, than to say anything. Yeah. Yes. And 70% are black of the 10% of the population that's incarcerated. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's the Latinos are trying to catch up, the ones that are coming in from Mexico. <laughs> it's a race. <laughs> so, uh, but the point is, is that... Uh, so it's true then. It, Look, I'm just trying to, I'm just to round this off. Yeah, it's true. But, so we're all, we're truly fucked. That's it. You need, the, the system needs guys like us. Yeah, but how can guys like us change something? Can we motivate anyone to we, do we, something? No, we, no. We, have, <laughs> we can't even get somebody to... <laughs> to, to pay us know. a dime. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone save the world. Oh, yeah, no, we, yeah, right. We we get no money from the No Agenda show, and we can't uh, get in. You know, I won. <laughs> I won the uh, last night. They had a raffle, and I run a. I won a um, uh, a three day um, Disneyland Paris trip for a family of four, including Eurostar uh, rail uh, transportation. And I was, oh really? Yeah, and Patricia and I were like, you know, we have some other plans, and, I, and we can't really, um, you know, take a whole bunch of vacations because you know it's like stuff is busy at Mevio and etc. And uh, so, I, and I said, well, why don't I give it away on no agenda? And she said, well, that won't work for anyone who, unless they live in the UK. I was actually thinking about giving that away and trying to. Well, you, you, well, it's probably there's also different kinds of uh, laws about giving stuff away, you know. But just, if you want to give it to somebody, say I could bring my my kids over there, and we can all go with, you know, we can do it. I'm gonna give it to you. Why not? Because you, you don't make a difference in the world. <laughs> I want to give it to someone who, who is really making a difference, not just the, the hot CO2 you're emitting, my friend. Well, then maybe you should find, you know, we should uh, create a, 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 a gifting. Uh, we should find somebody that's worthy and then give it to them. Well, that's a good idea. I bet you that would make a lot of money. It would be like, I don't know about that, but it would be like the Nobel Prize. <laughs> okay, sure. The Nobel <laughs> Prize. Nice. <laughs> oh, my God. There was, a, there was a documentary here on Friday, speaking of Nobel Prize, about Bill Gates. 
So I guess Bill is really on his final farewell tour. At least that's the way it's being. You know, he he was over here. He met with Gordon Brown. Um, you know, everyone's saying this is his big farewell, his swan song, and now he's going full time into the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, he's and, working for Warren Buffett now. Yeah, exactly. And um, and the the commentary from I believe John Battelle because they interviewed two people. Battelle, which I, by the way, I didn't find to be the the best two people to interview on the on the subject of Bill Gates, uh, Battelle and some other journalist who I've seen on the net uh, with an R, uh, can't remember his name. It might pop up. Um, and according to Battelle, all that Bill Gates wants is a Nobel Peace Prize. That's what it's all about. He'll do anything to get the Nobel no, that's Peace a good Prize. Th- I like the theory. It's like interesting, the theory. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it could happen. Yeah, it could happen. Why not? Well, maybe they got to give it to somebody. They might as well give it to him. He needs the money. <laughs> maybe it should. Well, yeah, he's given he's given his fortune away. Every so last I, anyway, those 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 are on uh, the the interviews that he's doing with the BBC are on YouTube, and uh, I've or they're no, I'm sorry, they're not on YouTube. They're on the BBC site. They're not. Uh, I would have I would have put them on the blog, but the BBC site is at least one of these channels. They, they won't let you embed, uh, which is stupid. But anyway, and I, I find it hard to watch Bill now that he's reminiscing because he's he's changing his story a lot, you know. And it's just like I don't know. Well, he's building his legacy, and then he wants to go. I think you know what I think it is. I think he really fears that he'll miss the limelight of being bill which of course he he pretty much uh ran away from the from the limelight but i i, I think he uh, i think he's gonna miss it there's something about it that he's 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 struggling with internally i think you might be right because he really does enjoy uh being technology bill, being, yeah, being a celebrity I mean, and being involved in it and right and in fact i was on a flight once you know he always supposedly flies uh coach uh but the fact of the matter is nobody lets him fly coach. So he's always shoved in the first class. And, and I was on a flight with him once, not with him, but on the same flight. And I was sitting right behind him and uh, chatted with him for a minute or two. But it was interesting that he uh, people would keep coming up to him out of the blue just just constantly and say and he as he was doing his email yeah. which is apparently what he does all the time and he and they're just saying to him this pretty much the same thing thank you so much for inventing the computer and thanks for everything you've done i mean it's all it's like i'm listening to this going and be like, oh you're welcome you know yeah, uh, that was it was I think he's been told i did that before breakfast sonny uh, i think he's been told this so many times that he actually thinks he, he believes the computer. it yeah yeah Oh, I can I can see where that would happen. You know how I bet if you went out on the street and asked people in America who invented the automobile, that everyone would say uh, either an American or Henry Ford. I right. bet you, no one would say a German. Well, they if they can remember Henry Ford, there may be some people out there that say you know Jack Toyota. I mean, you don't know what the American <laughs> public is going to say when they're Tommy asked. Toyota. <laughs> Tommy Toyota. We should start popularizing that. Tommy Toyota, the inventor of the automobile. <laughs> I bet you we could make a wiki page out of it and it would stick. <laughs> Tommy Toyota. We, we dispute the, uh, the claim to the inventor of the automobile. We think it was Tommy Toyota. Yeah, Tommy Toyota. He did it in 1880. <laughs> well. And man. again in 1970. Hey, man, you sent so, me an article or, you wanted to talk about. You still want to talk about that or not? I don't know. What was it? You sent me uh, your Market Watch, which I'd read already, your Market Watch article about Microsoft and Yahoo. Oh, yeah. 
I don't know. I don't think it's a little off topic. Yeah. yeah, I wrote a good article for anyone out there who wants to read it on, in Market Watch. On if you don't, if you, you say humbly, with all modesty, he wrote a good article. It was. It was a good article. It was an open letter, uh, kind of, but it wasn't really, but it was, to the shareholders and complainers about the Yahoo Microsoft deal. Because it dawned on me that. The weird thing about this all this moaning and groaning is that, you know, they jump all over Jerry Yang for what? For not wanting to sell his company? Why, who's going to start a company and put their life's effort to it and just dump it? Well, this is the whole culture. Uh, John, you know, I read that. It's ridiculous. I read that. And it's the whole culture of Silicon Valley. It's the whole culture of all the blogosphere that surrounds it. It's all about you know, the only thing people get excited by these days is who's buying who or who's investing in who. There's almost no love for the technology itself anymore. The minute something cool comes out, instead of like, wow, this is freaking cool. You know, you get, uh, well, you know, they could strategize with this company and then probably insert ads this way. And uh, then the, they can ramp it up and they'll uh, scale and they'll be sold off to Google. Yeah, yeah I know. That's it, all that seems totally to totally a Silicon Valley thing. I mean, people in, in, in Michigan don't think like this. No. They're, they're but, why just... every, but why did the media get all over it? I mean, the whole thing was triggered to me by a friend of mine who wrote something uh you know what i'll tell you why john let me answer the question before you tell me about your friend that wrote something okay the reason why is because talking about yahoo being sold to microsoft is a hell of a lot more exciting than talking about boring old credit card data that's being given to the government okay that's the bottom line well there's that element in fact, they don't even talk about the boring credit card data at all that's the real yeah because they're all following the yahoo microsoft merger well, it's becoming, you know, now that you mention it, it's essentially a version of Britney Spears. Thank you. Now, my point exactly. It's all porn for the masses. Absolutely. That's what it is. And we crave it. We freaking crave it. It's all we want. Actually, the funny thing, MarketWatch editor, I said, well, you know, because I've written about Yahoo, Microsoft numerous times. And I said, you know, can we do one more thing? Because I got this open letter I want to write, and it says you can't. Apparently, these readers can't get enough of it. I, you know, I was just going to say, I'll bet if you wrote an article, and the article is Yahoo poop to poop poop Microsoft, and the article had eighteen words, and you repeated them constantly, and three of them, uh, inclu- three sentences, it was like poop. It would still get huge numbers because people are just looking for that shit. They just want to read poop about Microsoft and Yahoo. <laughs> In fact, why don't you put Microsoft... Here, try this. Microsoft, yes, so. Yahoo, Britney Spears. I bet you it's going to be the best-read article ever. <laughs> you can do it, John. I, be, I bet you, I bet you somehow you can relate Britney Spears into well, you know, the Microsoft I, I, maybe I should Yahoo. Do a, a, posting, a posting on the blog where the headline is Microsoft, Yahoo, Britney Spears, porn. No, 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 leave off the, no, see, you're going too far. That's like your April 1st, your April Fool's joke. You you went a little too far on that, too. You might be right. Do it subtly, but somehow, you know know what, screw it. Work in Amy Winehouse. That's more sophisticated. Okay? Work in, I thought she was passe already. No, 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 man. No, she's still hot. Work in Amy Winehouse, somehow into a Yahoo Microsoft story. I guarantee you most views ever. (laughs) It'll be a test. Let's try it out. It'll work. I'm I might do that. Actually, I could do that. I could do that as a column because I could 
it's essentially a rewrite of that porn column I wrote some years ago about how using porn in the headlines always gets you a lot of readers. And essentially the column was, you know, it had porn in the headlines, but it wasn't about porn. It was about the effect of using it in the headline. I could right. probably do the same thing here. Yeah, but that's too uh, and, easy uh, because porn, it, that, it's just too easy. I'm not going to use porn. I'm just saying with yeah. I could use an Amy Winehouse, Microsoft, Yahoo yeah, and probably get and it's, it's it's essentially the modern use of the word porn. Yep. It's been updated now. Now we have you know personalities and this idiotic yeah. non merger, which know, I predicted from the beginning. By the way, it never happened. You know what's um, it was funny. A couple of weeks ago, I wrote a post on my blog. I don't post that. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of the shows get posted automatically, but I I don't necessarily post a lot on the blog. But sometimes I do, and then, and instead of I can't remember exactly what it was, but let's just say it was Microsoft Yahoo. And instead of putting Microsoft and Yahoo, I did Microsoft, then a plus sign, and then Yahoo. And I got so many more search result hits from that just by putting a plus sign instead of using the word and. It was significantly interesting. Huh. So I I'll think it should that. be Microsoft plus Yahoo plus Brittany. Maybe even do an equals after that just, just to fuck with people. <laughs> In fact, that's, that's going to be the title well, of actually, this show. That's exactly what it is. It is Microsoft plus Yahoo equals Brittany. There you go. That's going to be the title of this show, by the way. Okay. Microsoft plus Yahoo equals Brittany. That's mm -hmm. a good title. You watch. You watch through the roof. Donations will come pouring in. <laughs> donations. We don't even have a donation thing set up. We're too lazy. I'm not. Yes, exactly. We're just like everyone else. We're insignificant and lazy. We're insignificant and lazy complainers. <laughs> lazy and we complain and about being lazy. That's terrible. We're horrible. <laughs> uh, keeps us off the street. That's We're the, the, the worst case example. Hey, don't you have I to do kids uh, don't this? Kids don't be don't, like this. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't you have to do twit today? Isn't that coming up? Yeah, that is coming up. All right. But I'll be talked out. So that's good news for you. I love it when you go. In you fact, always, you I, always bitch about my doing Twitter. You're always complaining bitterly. It's not. You know what? If anything, it's promoting, dude. What are you talking about? I'm promoting it. Yeah, you. Well, I, I promote this, and then and Leo now mentions the show, which is you know yeah. a plus. It took him a while. Yeah. You know, yeah, based yeah. upon your conversation on Twitter last uh, last week, um, I saw a lot of postings of people saying, "Man." No, they don't even pay Dvorak anything. And yeah, we don't pay you a lot, but you know, we do pay you something. I mean, come on. No, I wasn't talking about getting paid from me. No, but that's how, that's how people, that's how people doing the no agenda show. I know but that's how people interpreted it. They interpreted it as in you don't get paid by, at all for anything. I don't. I don't get paid by anybody. I'm actually living on my mom's money. <laughs> that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> That's nasty. So the point is, is that no, that was a misinterpretation. I don't know. People should listen more. I, I don't even know that they associate. I didn't know anyone even associated this show with Mevio. Now, you, you would you know be I mean? amazed it's, to find out how poorly, how, not just how poorly I think people listen to, to uh, this show in particular, uh, but really maybe how poorly we um, we communicate what we're saying because people really sometimes walk away with a very different impression than I think. You know, that I think I have about what we what we said on the show. And I'm like, wow, how did they pick that up? How did they get that angle from what we were saying? It, it, it continues oh, yeah, to no, amaze I, that me. happens in writing too. I mean, a lot of my columns yeah. I've had this happen. People say, how can you say blah 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 blah? And I'm thinking, I never said that. And yeah. I usually send it back a note because I do answer all my email. Mm -hmm. I say, look, pal, 
show me exactly where and I'll quote from him. I said, well, where did I say this specifically? You tell me where that is. Yeah. And they can, that's the last I hear from them because it's these, I don't know, people read poor. I mean, you'd think that if we're talking about something, they would, it would be clear because we are actually saying it and they're listening and it's harder to misinterpret. But the stuff that's written is even worse. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, if you think you get people not understanding, you ought to see when you write something out and then the kind of response you get from characters. Uh, Dvorak said blah, 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 blah. I never said it. It's unbelievable. And it's all more of the system steam-blowing process that we're proud to be a part of. It's weird to me that, you know, sometimes it's almost as though people are looking for something. They're looking for, they're looking to project, for, I don't know what to project, to project. I, maybe they can't read. I think maybe the public's becoming <laughs> illiterate. Well, that's, I think that's probably a fact. I bet, I bet you there's data on that. Well, there might be. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's distressing. I don't see how anyone can misinterpret what we say on this show. We're pretty straightforward about it. You'd be amazed. You would be amazed. Even no one's ever emailed you no. something that you said, "Holy crap!" Not as much on this show oh. as I get from what I when I write something. Yeah, well, I can see where that would that would happen. But I don't write I don't write that much because I'm I know I'm not a great writer, <clears throat> and I certainly get misinterpreted whenever I do write something. So, well, you must get a lot of interesting input from the Daily Source Code. Well, what's which interesting is a show, by the way, you don't plug that much on here, which you should. Yeah, I should, I guess. Uh, I think it's one of the original com. podcasts. It's, it's, it's probably been on the air more than anything ever. Uh, since uh, July or August 2004, to be uh, mm. more or less precise. So I just did episode 771, which, uh, you know, there, I think there are people that are uh, creeping, out or, uh, creeping up to, or if not, have certainly surpassed that number. Um, and you'll get there too pretty quickly if you just look at the at the no agendas. Of course, you know I I do this by myself. I don't have a producer. Uh, it does involve hours and hours of of pre production before I just do one show. I mean, it's like two hours of of pre- I don't just sit down. You know, I got to listen to all these voicemail comments because it's a really a show that I put together with input from everybody else. So everyone else calls I, I in. I'm not. I, I don't fully understand why you don't get an intern. To do to help you produce that show because I know it's a the show is is overproduced. It sounds like you have a staff of people doing it, but I know that you're doing it all yourself. But it seems to me that it might be good to train a couple of people. They would love to work for you. Yeah, I've thought about it. Um, you know, it's uh, the problem is is. It's very organic. Yeah, and maybe I think that's part of the success of it is that you know I'm there's I'm deciding what the you know what the agenda is. I mean, there's a million things, a million people that call in. Um, I like the most challenging um, voices are my favorite. You know, when someone uh, contradicts me or or is against me, or, that's my favorite part. But it's just I just need to hear it. You know, the show is who I am, so I have to listen to all those things and. And uh, be able to figure out where I want to take it, you know, based upon what's what's incoming. I just don't see how to do it. I've tried. I've tried other people helping me out. It just doesn't work. Doesn't feel right. And then you're, it becomes kind of a process. There used to be a guy. You know, there used to be a, in radio. They used to always, you know, you used to have a DJ and you have a guy working the controls. And there used to be a guy, and I think they still have this type of 
personality, but a person, radio personality is called a combo man. And he, he would work the board. He would do all the engineering. He would do all the talking. He'd run, r- play the records. He'd do everything himself. Mm-hmm. And these guys are, you know, usually in small markets because yeah. they didn't have, couldn't afford to have two people working the same, you know. Well, that's job. exactly the point, John. That, that, that's, that's, that's how I learned to do it too. Do everything yourself. And then what happens is, the minute you get into a situation at a bigger station or there's more money, then you say, hey, man, I want a producer. That's all these guys do it. I want a producer. And then before you know it, you become complacent. You get laid back. You start missing stuff, you know, because you got more time on your hands. It's not a good process for me. Yeah, okay. Well, that's fine. You should still have an intern anyway, at least doing uh, getting your tea or something. True. I, I definitely no. I need an intern. I, I should. In fact, thank you. That's what I'm going to do. I have to get myself a, a personal assistant, and the only thing that person has to do is get my tea and take care of my administrative duties of the household. Because boy, there that's, you go. That's the thing that really hurts. You know, all those little things that just have to get done. It just takes away from all of the time for production. But production, I got to do it myself. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, but uh, yeah, you still need an intern. I mean, would you I want would one. you want someone scanning the stories for you for uh, for Tech Five? Wouldn't you feel like you know someone might miss out on something? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, the Tech Five uh, news scan, I believe, is uh, serves two purposes. One, it makes me keep up a little more than I normally do with the news. And yeah. so it's probably better that I, I'd have to scan them all anyway, because I, I figure if I'm going to do that, I might as well read all these, look at all these news stories and see which ones catch my eye. And I also look for a different dimension than someone else might look at that makes it my, you know, the stuff I'm interested in. It's about, you, you know, me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it would be, it would be hard to do. I mean, I would do a show where somebody else is doing all the everything and I could just come and be a talking head. It doesn't bother me to, to do that. But uh, generally speaking, for that, that particular uh, show, it's mostly me scanning the news and then finding the five or six kind of offbeat or interesting news items or trend items. Or, you know, I, I'm always looking, I have a different perspective. You know, I'm always looking for redundant stories and why is this thing being covered? It's like the Tim Russert thing. Uh, Tim Russert died last Friday, not this last Friday, but the Friday before, and he was being eulogized um, for a, over a week, day after day, night after night. It was unbelievable. I mean, Sidney Pollack, I believe, died during the same period, and he didn't even get a mention anywhere, and he's as, probably as culturally important as anyone. Absolutely. and Or probably more so than Tim Russert, to be honest about it. Um, but you know nothing. You got nothing. So, so they. So this went on and on and on. And it's like, uh, you know, this kind of. So I, I mean, those are the kind. Of, I, I'd like to identify these kinds of strange things that happen, and then comment on them, at least mention them, to see what. Because uh, I find it peculiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, if anybody wants to, you know, I, I still find that Russert preoccupations something unusual. Uh, but it was actually I heard Rush Limbaugh. Of all people, and everyone knows I listen to right wing talk. Um, Rush Limbaugh actually explained it uh, in some symbolic way. It was, and I unfortunately I can't 
tell you what he said exactly but it was it was like uh he because he was baffled by it too with this never-ending coverage and uh, of one tv personality i mean tv personalities die all the time uh but he explained it as some sort of uh, uh, the end of an era uh and that's why it was important to keep covering it an end of an era of 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 uh um a type of broadcasting that we're yeah. going to see again. And he had went on and on about it. And I thought it was absolutely right on the money. It wasn't Tim Russert that there was, they were lamenting. It was the end of this era where you have a, a kind of a, uh, this type of commentary or this type of uh, interview style. It's over. What? Now it's all gone. Highly partisan. That's interesting. Yeah, he felt she said and he felt that it was like and it was very interesting analysis. I was actually stunned by it. He uh, said that Rustert, even though he was a liberal and he was he worked for you know that, that senator in New York, what's his name? That puffy face guy, I can't remember his name offhand, but anyway, he's know. always he's always oh, in the um, he's a Democrat. Uh the, the Republican or the Democrat? The Democrat, that puffy face guy years ago, he was always had kind of lisp. He was peculiar, and he was extremely liberal. But but Russert was a liberal. He's a speechwriter, always a liberal. But when he did this, he you know it was almost as though we had this liberal guy who could present himself very objectively in the middle as a middle of the rotor, and he did a really good job of it. And that is over. There's no more guys like that. Yeah. We now have it's either going to be you know right wing guy or a left wing guy who's just obviously left wing, and and it's and so that was really what he believed was why it was you know so sad did i read somewhere that that they want to bring back the uh, equal airtime regulations now that comes and goes yeah the fair fair um the fair uh fair, what's it called uh, yeah i know what you're talking about yeah the fairness or fairness doctrine fairness the doctrine, fairness doctrine. Yeah. yeah 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 they've been bitching about the fairness doctrine it this happened uh, if people are we're, we're running late on the show now but i have to explain this people there was in, until 1987. There was a thing called the Fairness Doctrine in, in broadcasting in the United States, and that means if you came out and said, "Well, I think Obama's the greatest guy in the world," the Fairness Doctrine required that somebody else come from the other party and say, "Well, I think that you know McCain's the greatest guy in the world," and then they would balance, "Okay, it's fair." So everything was everything that was broadcast over the airway since they're licensed by the government had to be balanced and fair and so they pulled the plug on that during the reagan administration they just said screw it what's the point of this is stupid and so the fairness doctrine was taken off the books in 1987 and that's when rush limbaugh who's who again not to extol him as a genius but as a marketing guy he must be because he picked he up on this right immediately on yep. he jumped right on it he was the first one he's the one who actually established um you know biased uh, uh political uh, diatribe on the on the radio yeah. and so he was in early and then and meanwhile of course the other guys who have cropped up or all tend to be that are successful are all right wingers. I mean, for every one of them, there's not, I mean, the air America tried to do something, but they could never get any traction. And there's not really anybody who's not con either conservative or a little right wing or extremely right wing that do talk radio with much success. And then of course, sports talk. and then of course, John, there's us. Exactly. Well, we, we're not licensed. No. But uh, anyway, so that so they so now they're thinking, well, you know, because the, they couldn't compete. Literally, the Democrats can't come up with anybody that's either funny 
or you know i mean the the joke of it of course is that they don't realize that they have probably more leverage with john stewart and uh stephen colbert yeah and they're on television but they, they don't seem to realize that if they pull the plug on the fairness doctrine that takes you know john stewart and and colbert are are, are going to be screwed so let me ask As you this will be saturday night live and everything Every, else everybody has, everybody will be everyone's screwed. screwed so let me ask you this rush limbaugh and john stewart are they significant well, Rush Limbaugh, yeah, I think they're extremely significant. I think Limbaugh, to to almost an extreme, he has 15 million listeners a day. And he can actually, I mean, it's not like, you know, he can change things necessarily because he sure couldn't get Clinton, you know, out of office when he r- ran for reelection. Didn't have any effect at all. But uh, with 15 million viewers, you can kind of make people think a certain way about things. That's a lot of our listeners. That's a lot of people. So that's our goal, John. 15 million. 15 million. It, it has to. Nah, it'll never happen. <laughs> I don't think so either. It'll never happen. If we get a million, it would be like, wow. Uh, a million uh, still wouldn't be significant. No, I don't think it would be. It wouldn't be significant in the true sense of the term, but it would be interesting. Oh, how frustrating think, it is. I think we could sell some ads. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm done with you now. <laughs> I got to go eat. Every time I bring up anything commercial, you always hang up the, the phone. But I think No, anyway. no, not at all. It's just like we, we beat that one. It's a dead horse. There's no money in this. Well, we should probably put up a, a, a donation button. I think no, that would help. You know, you know what? Here, here's what it is. Here's how it works. If no one's going to help us out while we do this, then we're just going to take it to radio. That's the threat. Yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, they wouldn't like that. No, we'd of course see, be seen as uh, traitors and betrayals, uh, betrayers of new media. Yeah, and actually, this new media is better. Oh, it's totally better, because look at this. This show would not be on the air anywhere, ever. Yeah, especially not running 149. <laughs> we got to stop, These man. These poor that's, guys that's about crazy. to listen to the show. Oh, God. You know, even though you know, most of our listeners say, yeah, yeah, you can make it real long because they yeah. listen to it back and forth to, on their car. You know, they burn it to a DVD. But this is like you got, or a CD. You got to burn two CDs today. Two CDs. Show. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm even going to compress this at a lower MP3 bit rate than normal. It's just going to be such a huge file. But let's stop. Yeah, I think so. Let's see what people think we'll about this length. How, how do you like that length, huh? Take them minutes. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll do this again. I know what. We'll do it again next week. Excellent. And we hope you'll join us uh, from the Curry Manor in the United Kingdom. I'm Adam Curry. And from still foggy Northern California, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda.